Welcome one and all to episode 154 of the original Draft Breakdown podcast, the mock draft episode. That's right. We're finally here. The 2022 NFL draft is just days away, and Justin and I are dropping our, well, last mock of the pod period, but if you're a patron, you're going to get an updated one on Thursdays. We get a little more information. It's a little tough to uh, record a podcast edit it and get it posted in a quick turnaround time so you know we'll see how that goes but we'll drop a a little something for the patrons as well on thursday morning that is kind of our last official mock draft but before we get going justin how are things going man uh things are great uh this is what we all you know work toward all year it's finally draft week and on Thursday, the first round is going to kick off. We're going to do a recap of the first round on Patreon, on uh, the Patreon that will post on Friday. So uh, as soon as the first round wraps up, we're going to record that and post that for the patrons. So it's two bucks a month to get the bonus episode every week for the $4 a month generational tier. Uh, we'll be posting some rankings this week and I'll be posting mine with a little bit of you know, some short podcast type explainers with those rankings. So I'll post my rankings in image form and then explain those on a short little podcast to just kind of, uh, because I don't want to write anything else, Seth, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah I get you, man. And and we'll do a, It takes too long. <laughs> it does. It's a lot more work, a lot more headache. But we've got the, the mock draft tonight and uh, Justin and I, switched off picks uh he took the odds this time i took the evens make it a little more fun Uh, i think this mock is a little crazy um we've got i think we mixed it up this is our this is our third one and because we don't do a ton of mocks this is our third mock right right and and when you look at it i think we've done a good job of kind of Feeling out information, trying to read between the lines. There's a couple, especially like early that that you look at and you go, huh, not sure. But as things have come out, especially this last couple of weeks, it makes you think. So we'll get we'll get started. We'll get this going. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock to kick off the 22 NFL draft. Um, no shock here right now. Right. Well. Uh, maybe not. Um, but like Seth said, we're we're trying to stay in tune to what the team needs are and what the people that cover the teams are saying about these teams and what the, where they're likely to lean if uh, the draft board falls a certain way. Certainly Jacksonville would love to trade this pick, but there's no, there's no quarterback in this class to trade up for. Uh, so they're debating, <clears throat> are they going to go Aiden Hutchinson? Are they going to go Trayvon Walker? That's a name that's that's getting some heat right now. There are still some people who think they might go O-line, although we don't buy that. Our buddy John Shipley, he covers the Jags. He's still going with Aiden Hutchinson. I believe in John. Aiden Hutchinson, number one overall. He's a good player, and he's probably a safe pick in this situation. So that's that's who I took. I took Aiden Hutchinson. Not your prototypical first overall draft pick but a guy who's going to be a productive NFL player and has a very high floor. 
yeah, high floor. Uh, we talked about it. You know that Kyle Vandenbosch low end. Uh, I mentioned you know, Max I mean, Crosby as a good yeah, as a comp on our Patreon yeah. show last week. And, and so you know if that ends up what he's being, where he's only just a multiple time Pro Bowl player. Oh, he's only right. a double digit sack guy, right? Right. So, you know, and that's the thing you you talked about the Jags, D- Detroit Lions in the same boat, right? They'd probably love to trade this pick, but again, um nobody wants to come up this high. Um there's no consensus right now outside of the fact that if Aiden Hutchinson is not picked first. He will be the second pick. That's pretty much the only consensus we have gathered at this point, right? Yeah, it's a Michigan-Michigan thing, right? Um, he's a hometown guy playing for the University of Michigan, and then you got uh, the Detroit Lions. He also seems like a Dan Campbell guy. He's a, a guy who's bite gonna the, bite, bite the kneecaps or whatever yeah. Dan Campbell said, right? Yeah, and so. But he's not there, so that means I had to make the pick. Um, we're going to mention a lot of guys tonight. So what we do is we listen to and, and talk to and follow a lot of guys that cover teams, and we try to we try to glean off their insight. Jeff Risden's pretty dialed in with the Detroit Lions. Um, Risden said he doesn't see them taking a quarterback. He doesn't buy that at all. That's good enough for me. Uh, which means it's down to two guys, Kayvon Thibodeau and Travon Walker. The consensus in the building is interesting because based on what Jeff wrote in his latest column on Real GM is that the consensus in the building is for Walker. Their GM wants Thibodeau. That's kind of odd, is it not, that you would – so so the majority prefers Walker, but the GM, Brad Holmes, prefers Thibodeau. I don't find it surprising with this organization because of, of Campbell and the staff he's assembled. And I can see how Thibodeau's speaking about his brand, which we have talked about as it's just kind of like a one-off. Like, we don't really care. It, we don't think that's going to affect his play. But I could see how the the staff in Detroit would prefer a guy who's not that open about his personal branding and more of like a team guy. And certainly Tra- Trayvon Walker, in the role that he played in Georgia's defense, you get that feeling old, that he's yeah. more of a team guy because he sacrificed what potentially could have been more sacks had he been in another scheme. So... I get that. I, I really do. Um, it's just who's going to win that argument when it comes down to draft day. So with the second pick, the Lions take Travon Walker. Um, it could be Thibodeau here. It definitely will be Hutchinson if he's there. At least that's the vibe everybody's getting. But right now with Hutch going one, Walker goes two. That brings us to the Houston Texans who are desperately trying to trade out of the third spot. But if they don't, where do you have them going, Justin? I think uh, Walker, if he's not picked number two or number one, uh, and Thibodeau are both in the mix. You, you've got Lovey Smith as the head coach there, defensive guy. And he put together some good defenses when he was head coach in Chicago. Um, we're hearing a lot of noise about the Texans uh, looking at cornerbacks. And so I think 
with the Texans having two first-round picks now after trading Deshaun Watson to the Browns, you could go in a lot of directions here. But I, I buy the cornerback talk, and I think that Derek Stingley is the guy. We It could be Sauce Gardner. We've heard a little bit of noise about that, but I think it's Stingley because we're starting to see more and more analysts come around to the fact that Stingley should have never been uh, a guy who's who's fallen out of favor as a potential top five pick in this class. He should have always been there. People started doubting. They they questioned his his uh, second and third year tape. They were worried about the injury. But you saw the guy run a pro day, coming right off an injury, looking smooth as butter. Stingley's my pick here. Yeah, the the Texans are a wild card. We've heard, like you said, the edge players which means, you know, Thibodeau, Walker. I don't see any way Hutchinson makes it there, but I would assume Hutchinson's in the mix. We've he heard, would be, yeah, for sure, if he, if he, for some reason, isn't picked in the first two picks. We've heard that they love Kyle Hamilton. Um, it just feels really rich there. Like there's, They might be able to get Hamilton at 13, though. Yeah. And at so, this point. So I think Stingley makes sense. I, You know, it's odd to see Sauce Gardner kind of becoming the de facto consensus number one guy. Um, I don't know. I get that. I get that Stingley didn't play much, but we saw it didn't affect Jamar Chase at all, right? And, right, and and there there are other guys too. Michael Parsons didn't play at all. Uh, he was. I believe the defensive rookie of the year. So you had, you're starting to see that those kind of things don't matter. Nick Bosa, remember he ended his season uh, because of a, a hernia or some kind of groin injury. And then he ends up being just fine as a rookie early round. I mean, early, early first round pick for the Niners. So, I mean, just look at what this guy accomplished. Stingley six picks as a freshman. When you look at the tape, the following two years, people like us and people smarter than us, we still are like, this guy played just fine. Like, what's the problem? What is the issue that causes this elite athlete, a player who had six interceptions as a freshman on a national championship team, what could cause him to fall into the 20s? Now you're not seeing him drop past 12. I think it's completely logical to think he won't get out of the top five. The fourth pick, uh, it was going to be Ike McWanu. I didn't really have much thought about it until you took Stingley at three. Um, and Stingley going at three takes perhaps the best player in the draft, Kayvon Thibodeau, and makes him available to the Jets. This feels like a fit for Robert Sala's defense. I hope he gets a chance to work with uh, Thibodeau outside of just this one year, but the way Zach Wilson played last year, who knows how much time he's going to have in New York, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, we weren't the biggest Zach Wilson guys. And so I go I go Thibodeau over Aquanu. The fact – so there's a couple things on this one. So do you think they would have taken – might have taken Stingley if I didn't take him at three? You know, everything I've read is that it's going to be an edge guy, either Walker, 
Thibodeau or it's going to be Aquanu. And that's what I was going to talk about with you is like, isn't that a huge indictment of Mackay Becton? I believe so. He he was absent from uh, their voluntary workouts, and I believe he had a a personal situation that uh, you know kind of excuses him in that case. But you know these these football coaches are animals. They just live and breathe football, and even when there's a legitimate excusable reason for a guy to miss something like that in their mind it's not excusable and i mean you and i played sports in high school which is no comparison to to this but we even in high school we had coaches you know when i uh, when i was playing baseball we had a fundraiser on thanksgiving weekend and i couldn't go because i was flying uh back to los angeles to visit family i was a, a that was my senior year in high school and my coaches secretly found it inexcusable for me not to be at this fundraiser because I had this family trip planned. And of course it's, it's couched as being voluntary, but it's not. And I think that's, you encounter that throughout almost every level of sports after middle school or maybe even in middle school, Seth, uh, you could tell me more about that with your kids. Yeah. It's, it's gearing up. It's getting crazy. Right. Um, it's so competitive. I mean, from a young age now that it's just, uh, you know, there, there's really no excuse. Your wife could be having a baby and, and you better be there the next day. So the Jets take Kayvon Thibodeau. You and I think he's probably one of the three best players in this draft. Yeah. Um, and now you've got the New York Giants. They don't have Dave Gettleman, but they're still going to make some a Gettleman-like pick here, right? Yeah, so the Giants have... Uh, a situation where they have picks at five and seven. So they're really open to trading one of those picks. And of course we didn't do any trades because that gets too convoluted, but, um, and also nobody's going to come up if, if Thibodeau goes at four. Yeah. Unless somebody thinks Carolina's drafting a quarterback, which we spoiler, we don't. Um, but, uh, here the giants, if they grade two offensive tackles, we still have, Neil and Ikwanu on the board, if they grade them both the same, they could decide to go on a different position here. But I, my thought was Neil is just uh, too good for them to, to risk passing up. And the fact that Neil has experience playing right tackle and Andrew Thomas is emerging. So you, you've got a situation where you can kick Neil inside the left guard where he's played, or you can put him at right tackle where he's played. And either way, he's an upgrade for the Giants. So Evan Neal's the pick here. Uh, they could wait and and end up with Equanu at seven, possibly, or possibly Neal at seven. But rather than take the risk, they just go ahead and pull the trigger and take the guy that they have highest on their board. So Ed Valentine of, uh, I think it's Big Blue View, SB Nation writer, um, he made the picks in our in our editor mock draft for SB Nation. Um, he agrees with you on that one. He's got the fifth pick um, in in this mock. He has Travon Walker, all the corners, all the receivers available, and he takes. Um, Evan Neal at five. So 
I th- I feel like as hard as it is to say a guy is kind of pegged at his position fifth in the draft, it, it does um it does look like it's something that we could see and something that most people that are inside that New York Giants area um agree with. I think it just makes sense. I know they, they just picked uh Thomas in the first round two years ago. He had a rocky rookie year, but he played a lot better last year. And now you've got Saquon Barkley is coming back. He's going to be healthier this year. Daniel Jones, make it or break it year. Um, they could go receiver here because of the Tony situation, which we'll circle back to. But I think that it's just a pick that makes sense for them. Number six, Carolina Panthers. Uh, Josh Norris of Fantasy Underdogs. Is that where he's at now? Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty he's di- kind of the face of the franchise there. Yeah, pretty dialed in with the Panthers, and he's been adamant that they're not taking a quarterback at six. Um, Justin and I read tea leaves more than anything else because we're not dialed into the Panthers. We don't pretend to be. Uh, I believe him, though. It, it really, his logic and reasoning makes a ton of sense. I've been saying quarterback doesn't make sense for Carolina that early because Matt Rule seems to be in a make-or-break year. And how are you going to give a rookie? I mean, they, they did it in Chicago last year with Matt Nagy, so it's not unheard of. But how are you going to give Matt Rule a rookie in a make-or-break year and say, here you go, pal? I mean, what are you doing? So we go, or I go, with the next offensive lineman, Ikim Ikwanu. He goes from NC State to Carolina with the Panthers. You know, when you look at the, the Panthers, their needs, who, what they need, where they need help, I and this, it always sounds worse when you say it this way, but they can go anywhere because they just need help all over the board, right? And, and when in doubt... Um, beef up the offensive line. Iquanu can probably play four spots along the offensive line. So wherever they feel like they need him most, he slots in right away. Well, and there, there's that. And there's the, the rumblings that we've been hearing for like two months that Carolina is eyeballing offensive line with that pick. That is an open secret. You, you, all you need is a Google to find that. So, I mean, um, people want to cram Kenny Pickett in here at number six because Matt Rule recruited him at Temple 25 years ago, but it doesn't matter. The situation they're in right now, they're looking for a guy who can start right now, tomorrow, and Aquanu fits the bill. And here's the deal. Carolina is still very much in the mix to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield. That's true, and that's kind of where it feels like they'll end up. That takes us back to the Giants at seven, and you've got an interesting pick. I think this is, I mean, Stingley was interesting, but I think this is definitely the the first kind of one where you go, okay, I'm I'm listening. Yeah, so um, Atlanta is a log- is picking eight, and they're a logical spot for a wide receiver. And you wouldn't have thought New York Giants would have been really in the mix for another first-round receiver. They just took Kadarius Toney, but we just heard that they're ready to jettison Kadarius Toney after one year. They're fed up with his BS. Whatever it is, 
they don't like his uh, personality. He's another guy who who didn't appear for uh, the voluntary offseason program stuff. They're ready. They have a new sheriff in town. They've got a new GM. They've got a new head coach, and they're ready to get rid of Kadarius Tony. That means receiver is a need for them too. And I've got Garrett Wilson going to the Giants at seven. I wouldn't have thought receiver would go a week ago, but now it makes sense. A lot of people have compared Wilson to Stefan Diggs. That wasn't my comp form. My comp was, if you listen to last week's show, my comp was Santonio Holmes. Still a good player. Um, but if if uh, Brian Dable all- and Joe Schoen are reminded of Stefan Diggs, well, they had him in Buffalo, and that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, your give- your comp. Your comp of San Antonio Holmes isn't all pro-y enough. We got to go higher up the it's, up, it's, up the food chain. I I personally love the comp because I think it's a compliment. Um, San Antonio Holmes was was uh, a guy who made a fantastic catch at the Super Bowl. He had a thousand yard season. He was traded for big picks. But uh, if that's not rich enough for you, Stephon Diggs, yeah, hey, uh, now you got your now Brian Dable and Joe Schoen have their next Stephon Diggs. As you said, Garrett Wilson felt like a lock at number eight. So you've, uh, I you, threw a wrench in the works. Yeah, you've changed a couple of picks for me, which it, that's what makes it fun because then you sit there and you think about it. But we talked about this guy quite a bit on our receiver podcast. Uh, Drake London goes eight to the Falcons. I wanted to potentially take Sauce Gardner here. Um, but when you look at it, I just think that adding more weapons for Marcus Mariota and that offense, uh, letting Mariota have somebody else that can be a big play guy outside that's, you know, like we said, in the T. Higgins mold. <clears throat> I think that makes the most sense for for Atlanta. You pair him with Kyle Pitts, and even if, if Mariota doesn't work out, uh, you have two young guys that are ready to kind of jump in with whoever the next quarterback is there. And if you listen to last week's show, you you, you all know that I love uh, Drake London as a prospect. I think he's a fantastic wide receiver prospect. T. Higgins is a, a good comparison, but I even think London's ceiling is higher. So Agreed he's healthy. On that. What's that? Uh, agreed on that. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's healthy. He came back from a, a an ankle injury. He's you don't have to question his health like you do with Jameson Williams, for example, or uh, you know John Mechie, who obviously wouldn't go this high anyway. But um, I like the the pairing of London with Pitts. You got a couple of trees out there for Marcus Mariota. Uh, it's nice help for him, and both uh, Pitts and London. We're used to catching passes from subpar quarterbacks in college. So, uh, <laughs> Seattle on the clock at nine, and some people want to put quarterback here, but I'm not buying that. Pete Carroll's 72 years old. He does not have time for a rookie quarterback. They're still in the mix for Baker Mayfield, too. They're, I mean, they're not going to get Jimmy Garoppolo unless he gets cut because San Francisco's not going to trade him within the division. But Mayfield's very much still in play. And they also have Drew Locke. So they've got a couple of young veteran options at their disposal. 
Quarterback, to me, doesn't make any sense here. But corner does, and Sauce Gardner's there. He's a prototype as far as what Seattle likes in their build of corners. Long, long arms, tall guy, 4-4. Sauce was a no-brainer here. Even though I'm not super high on him as a a top 10 type of prospect, it makes sense for, for what the Seahawks like. Gardner was a guy that um, went seventh overall in the GM mock, but like you said, the the way things have changed with Kadarius Tony, it would make sense to see them go a different direction if they, you know, if they really do love that Garrett Wilson, Stefan Diggs comp, um, and Sauce is in the mix at three too, where yeah, we took and, Stingley. Yep, and, and so you look at it. That, that gets us back to the Jets. The Jets can go a number of different ways. I just don't see them going. Um, I don't see them taking the next wide receiver off the board. If they had a chance at Wilson or London, I couldn't see it. It's not that we don't like J-Mo or Chris Olave in this spot. It just feels like it's not something that the Jets would do. Instead, it kind of feels like a luxury because they did, you know, they have Elijah Moore. He was a pretty high pick. And they and they spent a lot of money on Corey Davis last year. Right. So, so it feels now, like a luxury to take a receiver here. Yeah, so now you go with Kyle Hamilton. Um, you know, it they end up using the Jamal Adams pick to get a guy that might be better. He might be. <laughs> I mean, um we like Hamilton. I, I I don't think I like him as as a top 10 pick, which we talked about on our Patreon show uh, the same week we had Kyle Posey on our on our regular show. But um, no, I think Hamilton can do a lot of things and the value's pretty good here. A lot of I, I think uh, Arif Hassan at The Athletic, I think Kyle Hamilton was number two on the, his uh, composite big board and he that's 60 big boards that he compiles and puts together, and Kyle Hamilton was the number two overall prospect. I don't agree with that. I don't think you do. But if that is a consensus to that degree, then 10th overall is is great value. That takes us to the Washington Commanders, and again, from you, a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I threw you for a loop again. Um, I didn't really know where to go with this pick because um, Garrett Wilson is a popular mock draft selection here and he's already gone in our scenario. So I I took Chris Olave and receivers are starting to fly off the board faster than I've anticipated. I've actually said on uh, a couple of these shows that I thought only four receivers would go in the first round. Well, it's it doesn't seem to be panning out that way. Uh, it seems like it's going to be five or six, uh, and it, that's kind of surprising to me. It's I don't really feel the value is there, but the commanders can dip back into that well where they got uh, Terry McLaurin a couple of years ago in the third round. That's worked out pretty well for them. Olave is a better prospect than, than Terry McLaurin, and I love uh, Terry McLaurin. I think he's a, an excellent player, but Olave is younger. Uh, Similar speed, better production in college, so has a better profile coming out. I think this is a they could go with Jameson Williams here, 
But I also think they're kind of in a one-year kind of try and win now mode, which is evidenced by the Carson Wentz deal. So give Wentz the tools he needs to win now, and Olave fits that bill. That takes us to the Vikings, and the worst-kept secret, I guess, is that they're going to take a corner because that's all you see mocked to them. It's crazy. Um, obviously, if Sauce or Stingley somehow make it to 12, I think they run to the podium, so to speak. The number one mocked player to them is Trent McDuffie, which we've talked about McDuffie. We don't see it. We're not on board with it. But we're also not letting our bias or our rankings of a player um, creep in here and make us not, you know, take a guy. So I got the Vikings taking McDuffie at 12. Yeah, this is not a what we would do mock draft. This is as predictive as we can be at the beginning of the week leading into the the actual draft. Um, The Vikings are an interesting team because you've got a new head coach you've got a new gm so you don't really have you can't work historically on what they've looked at before are mcduffie's short arms going to be a deal breaker is his low production going to be a deal breaker we don't know um we know their gm came from cleveland so there's you we can make some guesses about that but mcduffie's young he's uh fast he, he tests well. He measures well, except for the arm length. And he's a guy who you can play in a few different roles. You don't have to pigeonhole him as an outside corner. So he's got some versatility. That might help. It's definitely a position of value in that Cleveland front office tree. So cornerback's uh, a really important position to them. Defensive end and quarterback being the others. And Minnesota doesn't really – there's not a guy here that that uh, satisfies as much as there is at, cor- at cornerback. So I think McDuffie, even if we don't love him as a prospect, it makes sense in a predictive mock. Who do you – you have another – I wouldn't say surprise, but I was surprised by this selection for this team. Yeah, the Texans, I I picked Stingley for them at three, and now I have them again at 13. This is the pick they acquired from the Browns in the Deshaun Watson trade, and they're going with Jordan Davis. They've got Lovey Smith, defensive head coach. He gets another elite athlete to add to this defense. They're going to bulk up the defense. They're going with Davis Mills for at least the next year to see if they can win games that way. And the guy they have at nose tackle right now is a guy named Roy Lopez, who played well, but he was a sixth-round pick. And you'd much rather have a guy like Jordan Davis step into that role, put your sixth-round 2021 pick, Roy Lopez, into a reserve role. That's an effective rotation that they're going to have there. And uh, almost certainly, if I didn't take Jordan Davis here, he would have gone to Baltimore with the next pick. Yeah, I think you were just trying to uh, save your team from. I'm wishing it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> so the Ravens get sniped. Um, doesn't it feel like though, if this was to fall this way, the Ravens call somebody and and move up like one spot, two spots to to get you know secured Davis. It could be. I mean, this was uh, 
I, I listened back to the Haloti Nada deal where they moved up with Cleveland to take Haloti Nada. And um, so this could be a deja vu all over again situation. But mm-hmm. uh, again, we're not doing trades here. Yeah. So, so I spent so the, the Ravens on purpose. Yeah. So the Ravens are on the clock. And it makes uh, sense for Houston. Not be, because it, I'm it, saying it, we're predicting it, things. This makes it, total sense for Houston. Yeah, it really does. You're right. And uh, that leaves Baltimore on the clock. This is tough, man, because the top corners are gone. They can take an edge that that's falling, that actually falls even further down. Uh, you know, they, they can take – they can go a lot of different, different ways. But we end up going, Good teams are like that. <laughs> right. But they end up going with a guy who, again, you and I are not super high on. But if anybody – if he's going to win in anybody's scheme, it's going to be this Baltimore scheme, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell him who you took. Yeah. So we go, to, I went Trevor Penning uh, for, for Baltimore. He gets to play straight ahead football. <laughs> he's the a-hole that they, they could probably turn him into an all pro. He's the guy I think stinks because his highlights are just him, you know, throwing people down. We talked to Sully about him Sully wasn't impressed um, going back and listen to our offensive line show. And he Sully wasn't impressed for the same reasons that you and I aren't. But if any team can turn this guy into something, it's it's uh, Baltimore. And like they took, remember Orlando Brown tested like you at the combine. I, I'm probably shortchanging you. He probably tested worse than you, Seth, at the combine. And, and uh, they got him in the third round and turned him into a, a player they could trade for a first round pick. So, you know, if anybody can fix penning, it's, it's Baltimore. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm sneaky athletic. So, <laughs> right. That's what I meant. <laughs> but yeah, you look at it. I mean, penning goes, um, penning can play right tackle. He can play left guard. Um, I think you've got, you know, a guy that kind of just fits what they need. Ends up being a, he'll be one of those guys, like Justin said, that everybody's going to hate and Baltimore's going to love him. And he's going to be, everybody's going to be like, you know, why, why did Baltimore end up with him? So that takes us to Philly's first pick and um, not shocked by this one, but a little surprised if that makes sense. Well, they had three picks. They traded one uh, to the Saints, and they're sitting here at 15. Two years ago, they took Jalen Rager in the first round. He has not worked out. It looks like a whiff. You don't want to call a guy a bust after two years. Rager still has a chance, but uh, he's not a great fit for Jalen Hurts, at least so far. Uh, they're moving J.J. Arcega-Whiteside to tight end, which is hilarious because he was so hyped by draft Twitter a couple of years ago, and uh, he's he has not succeeded for all, all of the reasons that we thought he wouldn't uh, as a pro receiver. So Jameson Williams is the pick here, and they... I think they can afford to take this risk because they still have multiple first rounders and because they're not married to Jalen Hurts. So this doesn't help Hurts until maybe mid season 
at which point I think it it will because I think this is a guy that can succeed and help Hurts succeed. Um, but I think Philly has several needs here. They have not taken a linebacker in the first round in something like 30-some years. Uh, they haven't taken a safety in the first round in a long time. Those are both positions of need as well, but receiver seems like a position they, they do value, and they're cutting their losses here going with Jameson Williams to eventually Rager's going to be on the outs. That takes us to the New Orleans Saints. And this is the pick they got from Philly, right? Yep, who sit patiently and allow the draft to give them Malik Willis. Um, you threw me for a loop with this one, and I'll, I'll get back to why in a okay. couple picks. So, again, going back to the the draft from SB Nation, uh, the New Orleans Saints guy from Canal Street Chronicles took – Kenny Pickett. Well, this is where the one time I'm going to intervene with our rankings. Um, Willis was off the board in the, in the SB nation draft. So I would think, and I could be wrong, but I would think that New Orleans would take Willis over uh, Pickett because he's just a better player. This is our first quarterback coming off the board. And a lot of the consensus has, and Vegas has quarterback going in the top 10. Are we dumb or are we prescient here? I think we're going to end up looking dumb on <laughs> on draft night. I think we're going to look if, – if Willis isn't the first one taken, I think we're going to look more intelligent um, when it's like all – when the dust is settled, so to speak. The, the, my thing is like no team, no NFL team has – Set, has made any kind of movement to say that there is a top 10 worthy quarterback in this class. In fact, a number of teams have made movements to suggest there isn't one because of how many veteran quarterbacks were traded and how many teams were in that didn't get the veterans, right? So to me, it's just crazy that there's like a mock out there from, you know, Chad writer from nfl.com has four quarterbacks going on the top 10 what is is telling you that that could happen like there's no evidence to of that at this point maybe we will look dumb on draft night i don't know but i think that i personally think right now sitting here that quarterbacks are gonna fall you go with the 17th pick for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers here. Yeah, and this is why I was surprised with your 16th pick because I think personally that the Saints made their trade to get into a position to take an offensive tackle. And in our draft, Charles Cross has fallen quite a bit. You know, he's a player I think could go in the top 10. He's been linked to the Giants at 7 overall. Um, but here, similarly to if he lands with the Giants, Chargers have a great uh, young left tackle on Rashawn Slater, but they'd need help on their offensive line, and they would presumably be moving Charles Cross to right tackle. There might be some growing pains there, but he would be an upgrade ultimately 
in in terms of pass protection for Justin Herbert. Similarly, if Cross goes at like seven to the Giants, like I said, Andrew Thomas has has emerged, and uh, I have them picking Neil at at five. If they pick Cross at seven, say they would have he would have the similar type of growing pains here uh, as he would with with uh, the Chargers moving to right tackle. But I think he could do it. He's a great athlete uh, for a tackle and a very, very good pass protector. That takes us to the 18th pick, and the Eagles are back on the clock. I went back and forth on this one quite a bit. So you took uh, Jamison Williams. I really like that pick. In the, uh, in the other, in the SB Nation mock draft, they were able to take Jordan Davis at 15 and then came back and grabbed a receiver. Obviously the receivers are kind of off the board. Um, so it would make sense that, you know, you take JMO at 15. So where do you go? You talked about it. They don't draft linebackers in the first round. They don't draft safeties. This became a coin flip on who you think the better edge rusher is. And I went with, George Karloftis here. Um, again, probably my bias on this one of taking Karloftis over the guy that we have fallen a little further. But we've also heard rumors recently that, that you know, a pick we'll make in a little bit could be a guy that, that slips further than, than some expect on draft night. Karloftis... Uh, helps boost the pass rush and run defense of, of the Eagles immediately. Um, and, and I think really um, helps that defense overall. It's weird to me that Karloftis is falling into the late twenties in some of the mocks that we're seeing. And I have yet to read a reason why other than maybe his concerns about his production. Um, so I, I love this pick because I think Karloftis is probably a top 10 or 15 player in the entire class. So I love this pick. This would be a steal for Philly to to get Jameson Williams and George Karloftis and the picks that they got for trading with the Saints. That would be a very, very successful draft for the Eagles franchise. And I think their fans would be satisfied. You know, we'll see how they do with with Hertz at quarterback. I like Hertz. Um, I think I he's got the mentality to uh, become a good starter in the league. But um, we'll see. Either way, they're in good position going forward. I don't know if there's an immediate upgrade from Hertz. There's not in this, in this draft. I think Willis could be better. Willis might be an upgrade from Hertz, but it's so risky, right? Yeah, I don't know if, and I don't think he'd be better this year. And I get that you're not right. drafting him for this year. Um, but I think Hertz gives you enough that you can improve around him. They almost there. made the playoffs with him. Right? They did make the playoffs. They did make the playoffs with Hertz. Yeah, they just had yeah. to play Tampa Bay in the first Rob, round. cut that. <laughs> <laughs> So that takes us to the Saints back on the clock. And, and you know, I forced you into a, a pick you probably didn't want to make. I didn't. Um, so I that's what I was saying. With 
I thought they, that Seth take uh, Charles Cross at 16 because left tackle is a screaming need for the Saints. And that's kind of who I thought they were making that trade to position for a left tackle, whether it be Cross or Penning. Um, so I got him taking Bernard Raymond here. And I don't think, I mean, this would be a big reach for me if I'm going off my own rankings. And again, the patrons will see that later in this week. But uh, supply and demand here. Supply has dwindled. And at this point, need outweighs value. So I got the Saints taking Bernard Raymond because of that uh, job opportunity at left tackle for them. It's interesting because in the mock, the Pat's pulpit crew, obviously Patriots guys, uh, take Raymond at twenty one, and if you if if you just gloss over it, it doesn't feel like a Belichick pick, right? Like I couldn't tell if like if age was a big thing, but again, this is uh, Raymond. Is it going to be a twenty five year old rookie? Uh, so yeah, that doesn't feel like a Pat's pick to me, but, and, and so, but to my point being that then if you put him at 19 to the saints, if the Pats are really interested and, and the guys at Pat's pulpit are pretty dialed in, um, then that feels like it's maybe not a reach in, in terms of the actual draft, as opposed to what Justin and I think. Right. Right. I I think, Raymond is pretty universally going in the first round just because I don't think Penning or Raymond are first round type of prospects. Doesn't mean that they're not going to go in the first round. They probably will. Um, will they be good? I don't think so. But again, <laughs> it's, you know, that, that hasn't stopped teams from taking uh, guys that I didn't like in the first round, including my own favorite team. So, <laughs> Right. Uh, we, don't, so, we don't have to talk about Baker, though. That's fine. Um, so <laughs> well, that, I mean, I and I go back and forth between, you know, you, you'd rather your team be good and you be wrong than you be right. But with, with Baker, I was right. <laughs> you go back to the Pittsburgh Steelers now, 20th pick. Man, I really struggled with this one. The guy I wanted to take was Devontae Wyatt. I just... I feel like the the information that we've gathered the last couple of weeks, it just feels like it's not an option at, in the first round. Maybe, There's maybe, a lot of noise that Wyatt's going to fall out of the first round because of off-the-field issues. And so, uh, we don't have so, to go into it, but no, it's but easy what, Google search. Right. What we'll say is that the one report that we had heard was not the only report, apparently. Right. And there's multiple other incidents on top of that. He's going to be, he is already 24. Um, that makes it tough for me. So I let, I let the rumor mill dictate this one. And I went with Kenny Pickett. I don't like it at all. Um, I just, I, I honestly didn't know where to go after Wyatt. Wyatt feels like the pick. Um, it could be the pick on draft night. Um, I think a lot of people would like it as the pick for the Steelers. Uh, if they're Steelers fans, I'm just going to sh- shy away from it. I'm going to go pick it. They need a quarterback of the future. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins passed away, obviously, in that tragic accident. So he's not 
you know, he's obviously not in the mix anymore for them. And so now all of a sudden they need a young quarterback. And and you and I had talked about that a little bit, right? We had mentioned Haskins as a potential reason why they may not need to go quarterback. Um, I don't know what your feeling is on it. I do feel like it kind of does change things because all of a sudden all you have is a, is a hopefully, you know, a, a, a resurrection of Mitch Trubisky versus what you know is a bad um, Mason Rudolph already. Yeah. And, and I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's tough for me to, to talk about Haskins. I was a big um, supporter of his coming out and obviously he's a, a fellow Buckeye. It was difficult to hear that news that weekend. It, I did what, think, however, and it's, that, and it's, yeah, it's just tragic no matter what, man. Like, it it a, really was. It was a sad. 24, and by all accounts, a just a really kid. sweetheart of a guy. Um, and a popular guy within the Steelers franchise. However, I still think that he was kind of on the on the fringe on that roster because I think Malik Willis is a player that the Steelers would absolutely take at 20 if he's available. Mike Tomlin's everything Mike Tomlin has ever said about what he wants in a quarterback, Malik Willis fits that bill and with Trubisky, with Rudolph already in place, that's a that would be a great landing spot for Malik Willis because there would be absolutely no pressure on him because the Steelers find a way to win no matter who is playing. Right, uh, they won with uh, freaking Neil O'Donnell and Tommy Maddox. Yeah, and Tomlin has been just a a terrific coach. Like he's so underrated. Uh, he just gets them to the into a position where they can be a playoff team year in and year out. Uh, I disagree with you. I don't think Pickett will be the pick. Um, although he does fit the bill in in a way because Tomlin wants an athletic guy and Pickett's athleticism is fine. It's not in question. He's just not a very good prospect. He's just he's twenty four <laughs> years old, and he's just like he has he does not have great upside. So they could find themselves in a situation where they feel like they have to make this pick. But I don't. I don't think so. So it, I mean, I, I I was interested to know where would you have gone here. Yeah, this is tough. Um, because you know, I I I probably would look at a defensive player, um, like a Jermaine Johnson. Um, they could go with uh, they could go with offensive lineman. You know, Linderbaum or or Zion Johnson. I think they they could get some upgrades. With with guys like that, but um, I get why you made this pick because I do think they kind of painted themselves into a corner. I think Pittsburgh's sitting there thinking that. I do think they're sitting there thinking that they could get Malik Willis there. Well, and that's one of the reasons. So when you talked about it, obviously, again, we didn't do trades, but when you look at it, the 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 sixteenth pick is the spot that like Willis has to get to, to me because three teams, the Texans, Ravens and Eagles would all trade down for with Pittsburgh to move up. They'd probably get a future first, right? They probably wouldn't even take anything else from this year. Yeah. 
And and so like if you're if you're Houston, for instance, and Pittsburgh offers you twenty and next year is number one, you probably take that because then you can load up and go get a CJ Stroud. Well, especially Houston because they already have the third pick, right? Right, right. Um, so this is the thing, like where people are are pigeonholing quarterbacks in their mocks are six and eight and nine. And we already talked about how, you know, we agree with Josh Norris that Carolina is not taking a quarterback at six. Like we would be we would be floored if they do. Atlanta's not taking a quarterback at eight. Uh they they signed Mariota. He's a stopgap, but they're not going to put him in a position this year. They don't they made the the they put the, themselves in a position where he's a stopgap. If he stinks, they'll be in a good position to take a good quarterback next year. Seattle, I outlined why they're not going to take a quarterback at nine. Pete Carroll's old. Like, that is not how they're going to operate. So then after that, where's a quarterback going to go? Washington? No, they they are paying Carson Wentz a ton of money this year. They're not going to take a quarterback. So yeah, at 13, that's a good spot for someone to try and trade up for one if they want one. Uh, but I really don't, you know, if I'm, you guys don't listen to my betting uh, predictions, but if, if I'm betting, I would bet the over on wherever they think the first quarterback's going to be taken. Cause I really think that it's going to be around that 16 to 20 spot. That takes us to 21. You had a surprising pick here. I, I really, I don't know what uh, Bill Belichick thinks about arm length as far as cornerbacks are concerned, but I do know what he thinks about on-ball production. I've talked about it many times on this show, and he loves guys who average more than one interception plus pass breakup per game, right? They just lost J.C. Jackson in free agency. I've got him taking Roger McCreary, the corner from Auburn, who is one of the most productive on-ball defensive backs in this class. He is a 4-5 guy. He's about, what, 5'11", 6 foot, 200 pounds. He, I think he's even faster than what he timed because we know that he's timed in the 4-4s before. The only knock on McCreary is short arms. He had a great senior bowl. He's got great tape against SEC receivers. And, you know, it could be uh, Kyler Gordon here. But I think that Belichick's going to respect the on-ball production of McCreary, who is also faster, by the way, than Kyler Gordon over the arm length difference, which is like an inch and a half. I think it's going to be, I think McCreary has a really solid shot of uh, being a New England Patriot. That takes us to 22, Green Bay Packers. Uh, good. I love this pick, by the way. Good friend of the show, Justice Mosqueda, has started a campaign of what he calls the Georges, and he wants George Karloftis with this pick. Unfortunately, Karloftis went a little early. That gives us the next George on the list, and that's George Pickens of the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Pickens is that big alpha outside X factor. He's going to, he's going to replace the 50, 50 game that Devonte Adams had. 
He's gonna bring. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna bring the recklessness. That's and, so that you hate to put that on a guy, right? <laughs> right, but but I'm saying like that's he can he can play. He can give them that opportunity. Whereas like I see Traylon Burks mocked here a lot, and and I'm like, yeah, that's great. They've got a younger, you know, younger version of Randall Cobb, but they just lost the best receiver in the NFL. They need something that somebody that can play outside consistently. Um, I love this Seth because uh, other receivers that we're seeing mocked here are Burks and, and Jahan Dotson. And I think they, they took Amari Rogers in the third round last year. You know, I think he can fill that slot role and you know, they can bring him along, but uh, they lost Adams. They lost uh, Valdez Scantling. And they need an outside guy. They need a, a big guy. They need a tall guy. They like those tall guys. And Pickens really fits better than those other picks. I don't like seeing Burks and Dotson mock to Green Bay. Yeah. Um, that takes us to 23, and you got to pick for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and you gave me a hint. Uh, Jermaine Johnson is the pick here. He's a an edge guy. I think Seth has alluded to several times that we see falling down the boards. Is it age? Is it his questionable production metrics? We see a lot of, of um, metrics that suggest that, that most of his production is the result of like coverage and cleanup, right? He's not immediately getting to the quarterback. He has good highlights, and he had a pretty good senior bowl, but uh, he's a player who's going to turn 24 right after, immediately after his rookie season ends. He was uh, like the fourth defensive end on Georgia and had a transfer to get an opportunity. He took the most of that opportunity, but uh, I think there are some warts here on Jermaine Johnson. So look, the, the cards need a pass rusher. Chandler Jones is gone. Um, Maybe Johnson goes much higher than we think, but I think there's enough. There are enough question marks around him to suggest he could fall to 23. The interesting thing is what I've heard from inside the Cardinals discussion is three names that they would move up for. Um, one of them went 15, Jamison Williams. Um, one of them went 11, Chris Olave. And the other is Jermaine Johnson. So it would not shock me if he got to 20 and the Cardinals and Steelers traded you know four spots and then the the Steelers ended up with a 2023 fourth round pick or whatever um I think it's interesting to note also that when we did our last mock draft we were hearing from Detroit beat writer Dave Burkett that Jermaine Johnson could possibly be in the mix to go number two overall so we might be way off on this Jermaine Johnson might secretly be coveted as a top five pick. That takes us to 24 and the Dallas Cowboys. And this is, this feels like an offensive lineman here. Um, in our, in our SB nation draft, the blogging, the boys guys took Kenyon green. I don't think green's the best interior offensive lineman. Uh, so I went with Zion Johnson here, but green did go to Texas A&M, so... So factor that in, maybe. In <laughs> yeah, I mean, local guy. 
Uh, he's a lot. He's a couple of years younger, right? Or at least a year and a half or so younger. Uh, I love and you and I both love Zion Johnson. There's no question. We've we've uh, been touting him since at least since the Senior Bowl. We're we're big uh, supporters. We we both think he's a first round type of player. Um, I can see Green going here. You know, and I love uh, Kenyon Green as well. He was one of my top five offensive lineman i don't think he made your cut but he no. did make mine um this is a good pick though i mean you can't go wrong with either guy in my opinion i think this is a a, a terrific pick um i had right. buffalo and it's like i went with the i went with chalk here it's universal at this point that buffalo is going to take iowa state running back Brees hall um i think the Bills see hall as a jonathan taylor type I really do. Uh, the more and more that that we see the smoke about this, the more it makes sense because he's a dynamic athlete. He's a very good receiver, and he is a like the perfect three down back for the Bills, who have a high octane offense. We saw them in a shootout with the what everybody thinks is the best offense with Kansas City. The Bills took it to the wire, and uh, I think Brees Hall will be a great fit. The Bills are in a position where I think they are like one of those teams where they're a piece away. Would you rather have Brees Hall or would you rather have a, a committee of Devin Singletary and, and Zach Moss? And I think that, they can afford to make a pick like this. I'm not a running backs don't matter guy, as everybody who listens to this show knows. So I would celebrate this pick. 25 at Brees Hall, like – this is uh, Jonathan Taylor should have been a first round pick, and I think Brees Hall should be as well. I don't know why you don't think that Singletary Moss backfield doesn't work. Come on, <laughs> it's not bad. I mean, Singletary is not terrible. I I've I've never been a Zach Moss guy, um, but you could just do so much better. You don't want your best running back to be your best quarterback, too. <laughs> right. Um... That takes us to the Tennessee Titans. This was another tough one for me. I I went a lot of different ways. I hemmed and hawed, and at the end of the day, I, feel, I, I picked a guy that I feel like Mike Vrabel is going to love, and that's Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. They want to tackle, right? But we've already drafted like 20 tackles. So And, and Sully's guy from, is it Tulsa? I, the name's escaping me now. Right, Tyler, Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith could be a guy that goes here, but and he scares me a little bit just because he's not only is he a group of five guy, but he only started two years. I really love offensive linemen that start three or four years in college. So I went with with Linderbaum. I think Linderbaum's the second best lineman in this class. I just my question though for you is they they have Ben Jones starting at center. Um. Is, so is he going to knock Ben Jones into a reserve role? Or is he, you think Linderbaum might be able to kick into guard? I mean, he did come in over 300, so. Yeah. I and think he's super athletic. I think he'll be able to play guard this year. Okay. Um, and then they can, you know. Because they could definitely use an upgrade at guard. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I was looking at. Again, not a huge Kenyan Green guy. So that's kind of how this played out. I think they, I think they might go with Green, uh, in that scenario. Um, 
again, just because of the versatility and the size, because uh, Green could fill that need at either guard position, and he's much bigger than Linderbaum. But if you think Linderbaum can play guard, which, I mean, he's certainly athletic enough. The question is, is he big enough? Um, so I got Tampa next, and I took Kenyon Green there because they 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 got Shaq Mason in a cheap trade, which I think everybody who analyzes football really loves and wonders why the, the Patriots uh, sold off Shaq Mason's contract so at such a bargain rate. But um, they still have a need there at left guard, too, and... Green is versatile. He has plenty of experience playing at a high level in the best conference in college football. So I like uh, Kenny Green going to Tampa Bay. I think we've pretty consistently mocked an O-lineman there. Um, Zion Johnson was probably mocked there at some point by us. So this fits what we've always been expecting. You know, they, they had Ali Marpet retired, Alex Kappa left in free agency. So, this fits a need, and it's a good player. Takes us back to Green Bay, and this was a bit of a shock for you, uh, but I took... Yeah, man, I, this was a, a surprise for sure. And I took, again, I kind of went off of what Justice has said. I told you um, he's, he's really hoping to get George Karloftis at 22 and Pickens at 28. Didn't work out in our mock, uh, so I went with the next guy he's got, and that's Logan Hall out of Houston. We saw this happen last year with Peyton Turner, right? He, These Houston defensive linemen pop into the end of the, the first round because they offer some juice in the pass rush situation. Um, Hall would be a guy that they could bring in and, and you know bring along in a rotational sense over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think the idea here is you got a big, tall guy, good athlete who can give you inside-outside production along the front four, right? Um, so that's the idea. I don't like the idea of uh, of drafting group of five tweener kind of defensive lineman in you know this early. I think that that he would be a really good day two pick, but I get it when you're Green Bay and you're you're sitting there. Uh, your day two pick is is not till much later, you know. So if there's a guy you like, you you take him a little earlier. Uh, it's a good concept, and it's it's a really interesting pick from the uh, point of view of justice because he's a guy who he knows what he's talking about, and he's a fan of the team. So you know, I I get what you're doing. You're trusting his insight and. Uh, yeah, I so I could see this because a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people want to put a receiver with them, but um, and you already took George Pickens, yeah. So I thought that was a good fit. Then Hall becomes maybe more of a luxury pick because, yeah, and you look at who they have. They have Jaron Reed and and uh, Dean Dean Lowry as they're kind of like I love Dean Lowry in college, third, but yeah, you could definitely do better. Yeah, they're 34 edge guys, you know, or they're 34 defensive ends. So you go and get, you know, Hall, who's becomes that kind of rotational pass rusher as he grows. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes us to the first of the Chiefs picks. And one of us was going to take a, a wide receiver. I just got to do it. So who did you take at 29? Uh, Arnold Ebiketti, uh, or, or I'm sorry, 
mispronounced that, Arnold Ebicady, the defensive end from Penn State. So the Chiefs, uh, a lot of the mocks you see out there, they have Boye Mafe going to the Chiefs. But I like Ebicady better. He's younger. Um, I think he's a better player. I mean, he's he doesn't quite have the athleticism numbers that Mafe has, but he has great athleticism numbers. And he was a better producer in the Big Ten in his lone year there at Penn State. I'm a huge Ebicady guy. I think he could be worth inside the top 20 pick in this draft class. Uh, but again, a little bit older. Um, like Jermaine Johnson, he's going to turn 24 immediately after his rookie year. But he's a player I like better than Johnson. I think he's a a, a better pass rusher. He gets to the quarterback quicker. And I think with the Chiefs, uh, they've got Frank Clark and Michael Dana as their starting defensive ends right now. And Ebicady can definitely push both of those guys for playing time right away off the bat. With the 30th pick, the Chiefs then go wide receiver and they get Jahan Dotson. Um, I would have not liked this pick for any other team, but I think it works for Casey. Yeah, he's a guy that most of his career, I mean, uh, I think it was A.J. Gale of, of Pro Football Focus, you know, tweeted out today his his alignment um, in the NFL. And you look at it, you know, most people are kind of penciling him as a slot guy. But in in college, over 1,100 snaps outside, just over 200 in the slot. The reality is he played with an awful quarterback. Right. So Yeah, uh, and, and I guess my thing is what what I talked about on the show last week. When you see him winning uh outside, he's not really winning against elite corners. But also I respect Dotson's game quite a bit. He's got the four four speed. My you know, my concern is that he's on the small side. He doesn't right, you, have great... you definitely worry about holding up for not just a season but a career. Correct. And and you just don't have great historical comps for a guy of his size. And the guys his size don't play on at, at outside receiver, which is why I loved your Pickens uh, pick for Green Bay over what we've seen with uh, in other mocks where they're taking Dotson. Uh, this is a player. He's he's a really good player. I think this is around too early to, to take him. I think he's more of a late second or early third round guy, but also a player he's got upside. You know, some people might think he's Emmanuel Sanders. He's just not that fast though. He didn't have four, three speed. Um, you have highlights. You could say his quarterback play was, was terrible, which it was, but you also have a lot of highlights of him running wide open in zone coverages. So uh, I, I think he's a good player. Uh, he, he would be a fantastic fit for Kansas City, right? Because he's creative and he can uh, he can play that you know scramble drill with the quarterback. That's what he had to do at Penn State, and that's what Mahomes does so well, and that's what he did so well with Tyreek Hill. So he's uh, he's not Tyreek Hill, but he would benefit from the absence of Tyreek Hill and be able to step in and gain some yards with this team. So. Fit-wise, good pick. Player-wise, like prospect-wise, a little too early, but I get it. It it totally makes sense. 
Who do you have the runner-up Cincinnati Bengals taking? So the Bengals, a lot of people want to put an offensive lineman here, but like we were just talking about a few picks ago, you could go with Tyler Smith, but do they really want to do that? They just went kind of hard in the paint on uh, signing guys in free agency to help with protecting Joe Burrow. So now you're looking at pick 31. Do you want to force an offensive lineman or do you want to just help upgrade your cornerback position? So I've got Kair Elam going to the Bengals. The Bengals got a good season out of Eli Apple last year, um, but not a great Super Bowl performance out of him. And do you want to roll with Eli Apple, who's had a lot of ups and downs? He's still really young, and he still has uh, good athleticism, good talent. But you could at least challenge him by taking Elam. So I think uh, that would be a more prudent pick here. You did your due diligence signing a lot of free agents to help protect Burrow. You have Jackson Carmen, who you took in the second round last year. And Burrow's just got to be better about getting rid of the ball quicker. You know, I love Joe Burrow, but he does hold on to things a little bit too longer, too long. So um, I went with Elam here. I think he's a first round worthy player. He might fall out of the first round. And in any case, getting him at this position or later is a gift. The final pick of our draft is another a quarterback, right? Uh, is another Dan Campbell guy, and and we took uh, Trevon Walker in the with the second pick. I, I almost took his teammate Nakobe Dean here. Instead, I went with the guy who I grade as the top linebacker, Devin Lloyd. Yeah, Lloyd makes makes sense here. I mean, the last mock we did, I had them taking a linebacker. Uh, he's just a younger one. Yeah, and so you just look at it and you you look at what this team needs and look. Do you I think that the age is a concern? He's going to be twenty four. I've looked at it for linebackers. It it usually isn't a concern in the sense of whether or not they hit. Where it becomes a concern is that second contract. We've seen a lot of guys um, that come in at 24 they've got a lot of wear and tear five years as a starting inside linebacker in the nfl starting at anywhere is going to wear wear you down but especially at inside linebacker where now guys aren't that prototypical big um kind of beefy guy instead now they're these lean you know muscular gazelles that can run all over the field right and but meanwhile the defensive line and offensive line are all getting up there to the point where they're all 315 plus pounds but like less than 20 percent body fat with it so it's just it's been it's been funny to see so that's where i worry about lloyd more than anything else is if he's going to make us if he's going to be able to get through a second contract not get to a second contract get through a second contract but when you're a team like detroit that's just perpetually bad you can't worry about that right you got to worry about finding guys that make impacts for for that first five years yeah i think their fan base is pretty wary of drafting linebackers early but like i said i i took a linebacker leo chanel with uh the 32nd pick overall in our last mock that was uh that 
portion of the mock was on Patreon. But uh, Lloyd is a player that I considered with the Patriots pick, you know, but I wasn't sure how they viewed linebacker. Uh, he's not like the, the type that they like, like the huge hulking linebacker like Deontay Hightower. Um, he's about 20 pounds lighter than that, but he is a player who has a lot of uh, coverage, blitz, those type of, of uh, attributes that they like. I just wasn't sure how they, as an organization, review him from an age standpoint. But I like that we were able to work him in. He's he's a guy who's been mocked in the top 10 for a lot of this draft cycle and now starting to fall farther down, which meets our expectations. Still a good player. A guy, position value might be uh, dinging him. So uh, let's get to our hot take. Yeah, it's an interesting hot take tonight from a buddy of ours, Brian Perez, who we used to work for, technically, I guess. Yeah, but he was uh, kingpin of Draft Breakdown when we did the Draft Breakdown podcast before we added original and went out on our own three years later. <laughs> and and Brian, you can find him at Brian Perez NFL. Um, he's writing right now for the, the Draft Network. Um he he says, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I won't be surprised if Olave is the first wide receiver drafted person. This is after Ryan Fowler. This is going to get really convoluted, so everybody really focus here. Uh, this <laughs> is after Ryan Fowler, also of the Draft Network, um, tweeted out a picture from Matt Harmon's uh, Reception perception. Reception perception information that basically shows that Chris Olave is the best route runner in this draft class. Um, he wins every route. <laughs> and so and so it's going to be interesting because we mocked Olave as the third receiver taken, but at 11. Um, I mean, could Olave really be the first guy off the board? If I don't think so. I do where would he if he's the first receiver off the board? Does that mean that a receiver doesn't go until about ten? Um, yeah, I mean, so I think that the latest the first receiver will go is to Washington. So if Washington has its pick of Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, I don't think. They would, I don't, I think they would want to pick a receiver who would make Terry McLaurin their wide receiver two instead of a player who would be wide receiver two to Terry McLaurin, if that makes sense. So I think if Washington had its pick of those three, I think they probably would go with Drake London uh, because he's so much different than, than Terry McLaurin and he would be able to absorb more targets because of his size advantage. If that makes sense. Um, Wilson would probably be the most similar to McLaurin in terms of skill set. And he's probably a little bit better. McLaurin probably edges out Olave because he's more physical. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I just, I mean, Olave is my number one guy in the draft. And I would, I would say Olave is a better prospect than McLaurin because Olave's two years younger 
coming out than McLaurin was when he came out. But McLaurin now is a proven commodity. So he's uh, compared with Olave coming out at right now. Oh, uh, McLaurin would be the wide receiver one over Chris Olave, whereas like. The other two, London and and Garrett Wilson, could challenge his standing as a receiver one on a team. Anything else before we get out of here? No, just uh, thanks to all our listeners. The last several episodes that we put out have uh, pe- people have been eating it up. I really appreciate all of you that are listening and downloading the show. Please give us a five star review. Uh, subscribe to the show. I know this draft season is wrapping up. This is going to be the end, almost the end of season two of uh, our comeback. Uh, but follow us throughout the summer. We're, we're putting out shows every week, two shows a week. We're uh, going to be previewing college football teams throughout the summer, uh, getting ready for 2023. And of course, we're going to have a lot of recap to the 2022 draft coming up this week. So I'm excited. I, I feel like we had a good season, Seth. I know we're old dogs in this, but uh, it was fun to jump back in and complete a, a full draft season because we jumped in so late last year. We did. It was um, it was a long season, but it was fun. We were able to get a lot of takes off, uh, get share a lot of our thoughts and information, and you guys have made it a very successful first year back. We really do appreciate it. And hope that you'll continue to uh, support us, not just on the free show, but if you can, $2 a month on our Patreon, $4 a month for the generational tier where we give you our written work as well. We'll be back hopefully after the first round of the 2022 NFL draft where we fire off some of these hot takes and maybe mock some things in the second round. Um because that's when Justin's favorite team finally has a pick. So, <laughs> But thanks as always for listening. We'll be back on Friday to discuss more 2022 NFL draft. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, Subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.